Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. get my reading glasses. Good morning. That is a Schwinn and it is a combination of a road bike and a like BMX. So it's like a pretty cool. I took all the um, markings off of it so it's flat black i've had it for almost 20 years now um it's a pretty great bike haven't ridden it much around here so my my reading glasses broke well it's good to be back um Hold on, I gotta turn my light on. Well, that's a little hot, huh? All right, everybody. Just trying to get everything together here. Hope you're well. Um, I've been out of town, obvious, obviously. Had a few things come up. Um, Two weeks in a row. Thanks, Josh, for filling in on uh, Easter Sunday. That was lovely of him. I was in Missouri, in Branson, Missouri. Kids are, kids are here today, so you might get cameos from Minnie and Milo. Um, here's, oh, oh, it's Charizard. Hello, Charizard. Maybe I'll start doing stuff like this. What are you doing today? <laughs> I've lost my mind. I have literally lost my mind. Um... Lots of stuff going on. I don't even know where to start. I don't know where to start today. We've got swimming and dancing class today, so I'm excited about that. Um, let's see. We're, we, today's talk is gonna be so right on the nose that it's gonna be too right on the nose for me. Um, so there you go. So I've been, I'm working on a, on a, on a doc right now that I can't talk a lot about cause it's super secret, but it's about my mom. And I've been thinking a lot about her as my whole family as well. My, just my whole fa my family, my, 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 my parents and my sister, you know, the, the four of us. Um, of course my kids are definitely my family and my ex-wife who I had my kids with are my family, but I've been thinking about, and Peter Rollins, obviously, is like 
my brother, but, um, and you are my family. <laughs> um, but let's, let's, so I've been thinking about my mom and how well that she always handled criticism really well. I was always blown away by that. She could always, um, whatever situation she found herself in, um, she could just make it work. Like, you know that all things to all men, like Paul talked about? Um, my mom could always do that with critics and with praise and with whatever, you know, celebrities. It just always was, was something that she could handle really well, you know. And I think my dad was really the opposite of that. And for me, I definitely have both of that both of those things in me. So it's funny, like when I get criticism sometimes, I, 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 it'll take me a little while to help work that out. Like have a discussion with somebody, have a long talk and get to a place. It's not like this instant instinct for me, like it was with my mother. Um, and so it's funny, I, I've had some, some critiques lately. <laughs> And it's funny how they kind of stick in my head, even though I don't necessarily agree with them, but it's weird. And so I have to fight that a lot. Um, you know, and, and I have to not, like, I want to, like, be like, hey, we're not a normal church, so don't expect a normal church, you know, <laughs> type of thing. Don't expect that. We're, you know, technically we're not even a church right now. Um, <laughs> we're a community of people coming together talking about how to figure things out, figuring out how to live life well, treat each other well, argue well, and bring unity. And yes, Christianity is the base from where I'm drawing this from. Um, but I think you've got people like, uh, you know, oh God, Russell Brand, and people like that who are drawing from other wells, Christianity as well, but other wells of trying to say like, the world is in a bad place. The world is, you know, divided. This country is really divided, and how can we not be so divided? And how can we be a uh, community? And I think that's what made my mom interesting, is that she always just walked through those lines. And I posted something on Instagram yesterday and on Facebook as well about my mom. When my parents lost everything and were kind of at their darkest hour, they I remember they got tickets to Johnny Cash. Now, I was 11. So I don't think I even really knew who Johnny Cash was at the time because they asked me if I wanted to go. And I was like, oh, tell me more about this, man. And they said country. And then it was like, as soon as they said country, it was like, wah, 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 wah. But they just wanted a night out, feel normal, you know, so go see a show. And they went to that show. And, you know, this is where they're on every magazine, every, you know, Saturday Night Live is making fun of them. Preachers are making fun of them. Everybody's across the board not wanting to be identified with them. And so they just went to this concert just to see the show. And what's really cool is that, um, is that, um, that, 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 that Johnny Cash saw my mom and dad in the audience and said some really kind things about them, but then had my mom come up and sing Old Rugged Cross with her. So, sorry, kids, kiddos are coming out. Um, I bribed them. My bribes don't work. 
But yeah, so it was one of those things where it was like, I feel like Johnny Cash had that similar spirit that my mom did, like where they were able to walk the line, if you will, of just loving people, you know? I wish there was a video of my, myself. I have, there may be a video out there. Maybe we can find it. Um, but, but this idea that, you know, being able to love people even when they were at their most unlovable, being able to identify with the least of these is something that I've always admired um, about Johnny Cash and my mother. Um, but anyway, so I've just been thinking a lot about that and, um, and, and it's funny how we all take criticism differently. Like, I think, like, I can remember mean things that people said to me 20 years ago, don't, 30 years ago. Don't remember the person, but remember the thing they said, and it still sticks in the back of my head, you know? It's funny when you're, like, kind of a sensitive human being. Um, and I, I think that was kind of the critique for me, is that I'm a bit sensitive. And uh, it stuck in my head. It really did. Like, I was like, oh. Oh, well, but this is me. I got to be me, just like my mom said. So then I, she encourages me to be who I got to be. So there you go. That's what I'm talking about a little bit today. Um, but yeah, this, this talk's going to be on the nose. Boop, boop, boop. Um, this talk is going to be about the prodigal son. So, which I don't think I've talked about in a while. And, um, and it's in Luke 15. And from the looks of it in my Bible, I haven't spoke about it, at least not out of this Bible, because there's not a lot of highlights, and I usually go a little bit nuts with highlights. Um, yeah, guys, I, I've had a tough couple of weeks, and um, this, the funny thing is the critique was, was I complained. <laughs> well, here I am. Guess what? Get ready. You guys are my therapists. Video therapy. Um... But uh, it's it's been uh, it's been a um, oh god it's been a tough week guys it's not not been longer than a week, um, and 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 I, and I and I'm always trying to be transparent because I feel like that was is what I'm called to do as as what I, this work with this work I think it's more important to be transparent than to pretend like you're something you're not, um, but. Like this week, I, I uh, this past week, I went to Missouri um, to meet with my dad, to try to meet with my dad. And um, and I had to have a lot of conversations with people about meeting with my dad before even meeting and if he would even meet with me. And um, I ended up finally getting an invitation to Easter dinner um, but my best mate, Pete, was with me, uh, to kind of be there for moral support, and then he wasn't invited, uh, and it kind of hit me in a way where I was like, you know, I don't want to go somewhere where my best friend is not invited, you know, and so I didn't, so I tried to reschedule and say, hey, listen, can we just, because it was a family thing, it was a whole bunch, you know, Pete's family to me, you know, so I was like, ah, you know, why don't we meet the next day, it'll just be us, we'll do coffee, and, uh, it didn't work out. So I went up to Missouri for five days, but I did get to spend some time with my sister, and she's great, and we had a good time. And um, but yeah, it was it was really tough um, for me. I've spent uh, most of my life defending my dad, 
I've, I've spent a lot of my life really trying to love him, even though we have big disagreements. And uh, so it's been tough. So I thought maybe I would just go through the prodigal son today and look at it in a different way, but I've also got another story to go along with that. Um, so, you know, it's funny because we were in Branson, which is what's a, such a wild place, man. If you've ever been there, it's like, it's really wild. Um, and I, I don't think I've ever seen Pete so stressed out in his life. <laughs> I was like, welcome to the, welcome to the Baker family. Um, we are, we are, we, we stress people out quite a bit. Um, but also I, I don't want to live my life and uh, like that. My mom was very different. Like one of my closest friends, uh, back in the day, especially was my friend Chuck. And uh, when I lived in Atlanta, and me and Chuck really loved cigars, and we loved hanging out, and Chuck was a Satanist, um, you know, and loved horror movies, and, you know, long black hair, and pentagrams on his elbows, and he, at one point he had a, a casket in his house, super, super cool dude. <laughs> He, 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 he did a Bible with pyramids all on the cover for me. It's around here somewhere. Um, and I remember um, even after when he did it, he's like, yeah, when I was making that Bible for you, even I felt a little weird. <laughs> so I was like, Am I supposed to be doing this? I was like, yes, yes. It looks cool. Um, but, I, but his mom had passed. And so during the holidays, he didn't have family to go to. And my mom was like, bring, bring Chuck here. And my mom and Chuck became really good friends, and Chuck came home for holidays, and we went to the same pool hall, and we hung out, and Chuck brought his girlfriend, and she was wild, too, and, you know, we, it was just, we just did it. It was just family. We wasn't thinking about it, you know what I mean? There wasn't discussions of if we can meet or if we can't meet or, you know, any of that kind of thing. And, uh, and I loved that about my mom. I, that was uh, something I greatly miss about her um but anyway i went to branson it was very disappointing and i came home and um and i, and I you know you think should i gone should i've done this you get regrets you're going to my beach being being stubborn as well you know all that kind of stuff um but you got to trust your instincts and uh of course i came home and i've had this tooth that's been hurting for years and it just decided to completely give out, maybe because of the stress. It was like, and so I came home and I was just in so much pain. The whole right side of my face hurt. And so I had to go to, and I don't have insurance for, for dental because I decided to wait till next year for dental and got vision this year, which will be a good thing once I get my, I, I have an eye exam. I had to reschedule it because it was during my Branson trip. So to reschedule it and this place that I have to go to is so busy that I don't have an appointment till next month. Um, but anyway, um, so I had to go in and spend a bunch of money getting a tooth pulled and it hurt like hell. And I haven't had solid food since Wednesday because they had to do bone grafts. And so I can't drink. I mean, I can't use a straw. I can't eat any solid food. And so if I seem a little shaky today, a little bit out of it today, it's because been living on like smoothies and milkshakes, so I don't feel like super awesome. And I've been been on full time dad duty as well. Um, and and luckily the stitches are starting to come out, 
which is a good thing um, because he had to do it. So it was so close to the back here to my cheek that it went into my cheek that I wasn't even allowed to like really talk like with my mouth fully open. So I've been like this, like, cut it out, kids. Hey, let's go do this. You know, it's been like ventriloquist week. So when it rains, it pours. I'm tired. I'm really tired. I'm really worn out. But I wanted to, you know, I haven't, uh, I've had to have cancel one service. Somebody ever fill in and I didn't want to, cancel today. I wanted to talk to you guys today. Then I wanted to bring a talk that I think comes straight from my guts and uh, straight from where I'm at. And I think it's a place where a lot of us are at, you know, because often when I talk about grace and stuff, a lot of people say, well, I don't want to be show grace to that one person or to this group or to that. And um, because those are the people who wounded me or wounded the folks that I love and, um, you know, they're the ones who, why I'm damaged, and I, and I don't want to go back into that damage. And I've really tried always to, in my own life, and that's why I encourage other people to do it, is always kind of, my mom used to have this album called Run to the Roar, you know, and it's a big lion head, and she's like, it's a cute, cute album cover. And um, so I've kind of always had that thing is like, oh, there's the roar, there's the scary thing, there's the, the conflict, I'm going to run towards it. And probably growing up in conflict made me more comfortable to do that, you know. It's funny, though. It's like in my personal life, I've always kind of had a, a more of an issue with conflict with one-on-one. -on -one, but sometimes grace just abounds. And I go, I'm going to go towards that conflict. But I have to say this is often when even when you go towards that conflict with grace, with mercy, um, you don't get it back. You don't always receive it back, you know? Um, and that's just the reality of it. It's a tough, it's a tough walk. And that's, so I, I say all that because I want you guys to be able to know, like, when I ask you to do this and when I encourage you to do this stuff, and we've had pushbacks before, but I've seen some of you guys do this, like, better than I do. I've seen you guys practice this arguing well and going into uncomfortable situations and all this stuff we talk about. And so some of you are actually practicing this in a deeper sense than even myself. And, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see. I mean, it makes me cry sometimes. Um, it touches me deeply. Um, and of course, some of us don't get it and that's okay because it takes time. You know, you got to put in the hard work to kind of get there and I get that, you know. Um, I've had to put in the hard work. I've, had, I've been doing this for 26 years. Um, so where do we do? Let's go to the, let's just jump in. Let's see if there's something there or not, really. How about that? I think my camera's a bit high today. And my, I have one of these like really comfortable couches that slowly sinks over time. So I'm like, and so anyway, um, Luke 15, um, 11. What I like about this version is, you know how they put little, they, they named the verses. This one they said, the, par the, the parable of the prodigal son and his brother, which is more head-on than just the prodigal son. So I like that. Then Jesus said, and Jesus had all these crazy teachings, as you know. Then just Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of the sons said to his father, Father, give me my share of property that will belong to me. Now, this was 
basically saying to your father at this time, uh, historical context and people who are hearing this would have understood this, is you're saying, I, I don't want to wait for you to die. I want everything that's owed to me now. And basically, I wish you were dead because just give it to me so I can go live my own life. And this is what's happening uh, here with the prodigal son. Um, so the father divides his property, and usually that didn't happen either. Usually the father would be like, you disgrace this family, leave. So the father uh, divides the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them, the two sons. A few days later, the young son gathered all his had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property and, and dissolute, dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a servant, a, a severe famine took over, took the place throughout the, over, uh, severe famine took place throughout the country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens in the country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would have gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating and no one gave, because no one gave him anything. But when he came to him, himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to eat and, and, to, and to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. One of the things I've always liked about this story is because that's been interesting to me, and in just a simplistic view of the story, is just the son leaves and fails. And the only reason he's returning home is because he made bad investments. You know, had he succeeded, he would have just never returned. You know, and I always think like the motives. People always ask, well, what's the motivation here? And what I like about this story is that the son's motivation is not really that pure. It's just, I've got nowhere else to go and I'm trying to do this. And if I worked for my dad, at least I'd be able to eat a little bit more. I mean, he was thinking about his basic needs. Like, I'm just hungry. And the servants are treated better there. You know, so maybe if I go back and make a deal with him, um, I can have some sort of a life, you know, because I screwed up. And, uh, I mean, in a way, I always kind of feel like maybe that's what parents are for, you know. I, I think that's what, I, I think that's what people in the church are for, you know, is that we're there. You know, I, that's what I liked about the 12-step uh, program is it was like, you know, you're like, maybe I'll try to give this drinking <laughs> one more chance. You know, you come back and you're like, it didn't work. <laughs> but great. Let's start. Let's start working again. You know, let's do this. So I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. Now, what I like also about this verse is that he's like, he's got a plan to make a deal. He's going to make a deal with his dad. Like, he's got his repentance speech worked out. Um, and it's so much like society. Like, he, he feels like his father is like society. Like, I've got to make a public apology. 
I've got to show my shame. I've got to bear this. I'll, I, I'll say, I've disgraced you. I am not worthy of your love, you know. And everybody's like, oh, that would be good, you know, like, you know, Will Smith needs to come out and make a public apology and all these people need to come out and make public apologies so we know that they're really sad. It's not enough just to hear about it. We need to know because for some reason our opinions really matter, you know, and we are the gatekeepers of publicity and public lifestyles and stars and human lives, you know, it's like, it's crazy, you know. We are the ultimate judges, so come repent to us. Um, you know, I remember when Jimmy Swagger had his fell back in the 80s and, and he came out and he cried and he was like, I've sinned against you, I've done this horrible thing, you know. And what did people do is they just made fun of him for it. They're like, this guy, he got what he deserved, blah, 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 you know. It's like, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, really, in this world often. And uh, I think that's what we don't realize, you know, is that, and it's like people in this, in this time of day and age, we just, we're just, we're blown around like, you know, like, like leaves on the ground, you know, it's like our opinions change and what we think is, you know, it's like, you know, what was a, a hot hashtag a few years ago now is different, you know, it's like how Johnny Depp would be, you know, what he's going through with his divorce and all this stuff when he was accused of, you know, back, you know, a few years ago it was like, you know, believe all these people. Now it's going like, well, maybe it's not that simple because maybe what happened is it reversed here. You know what I mean? So it's like we continuously learn that life is complex and that there's no, like, broad strokes that really work well. You know, that maybe we have to be open to nuances and differences and things are complicated and life is complicated, Right. So here, the, 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 the son's got this plan. And this is my favorite part, has always been my favorite part. Is, uh, so he sets off. And he went to his father. But while he was still off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And ran, putting his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you, I am no longer worthy of being your son. But the father said to his servants, or to his slaves, okay, well, there's not, there's something that's not popular. Their father had slaves. Maybe he should have stayed away. But anyway, the point is, is that the son comes, he has this whole spiel ready to beg for forgiveness. And yet the father is like, he's like, Father, I'm not worthy. And the father just turns away from him. And is like, I love that. I love that. Like, but his father grabs him, hugs him. The, you know, Dad, I'm so sorry. And the father's like, oh, shut up. And he turns around and, and he says, uh, get the guards, have them carried out and killed. No, <laughs> whipped in front of the whole community, which probably would have been more likely what something would have happened because he brought shame onto his family. Um, but the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals and on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is now alive again. 
He was lost and he now is found. And they began to celebrate. Um, now, Pete Rollins has a very different reading of this, and I really recommend if you can find Pete's reading of, of the prodigal son. Um, it's really interesting and different. Um, uh, it's a very radical theological look at it, and I recommend listening to it because it kind of gives you a completely different perspective, and I think other eyes are great for this. But that's not my, my perspective today. Um, so yeah, so this happens. The son's forgiven. Um, but obviously, uh, there's a party going on, but he has a brother. <laughs> the good brother. Um, the brother who stuck around and said, hey, I'm, I'm here. And, and so the brother hears this noise and this, this celebration going on. And uh, let's see what the brother says. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and he approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked, what is going on? He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf uh, because he has got him back safely and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. Um, and, you know, there's not a whole lot said here about the brother, but I honestly say, you know what, I totally get this as well. And I feel like we have a very older brother vibe on online and, and, and with social media. It's so really crazy that I never thought social media would be so influential on our life, daily lives, and, and, and everybody's opinion. And on, on, on mainstream media, you know, like, I, I can't ever tell which one's dictating the other. I, I didn't realize it would be so powerful. Um, but it has really become huge. And I feel like we live in this world where we're all like, wait a second, I need an explanation here. Wait a second, this isn't fair. And I think that's one of the great things, too, about some families is when they, they you know, like for me, I, if my own son became a serial killer or something like that, you know, I would be there constantly with him, seeing him. I mean, of course, I would be hor horrified, but I would be like, I will always love you no matter what. Uh, my daughter as well, of course, you know, so it's like, um, and other people I love, you know, people, horrible, bad things happen to good people. It's just life. People make b bad decisions, really bad decisions sometimes, and that's part of life. Um, that's why I say grace is anarchy, because it doesn't please everybody. If there's always a system that it's kind of pushing against, you know. Um, there's always going to be the, the hurt party, the offended party, who's like, I don't know if this is where grace deserves. But what I found with what's great about grace in that way is that if you are the offended party, maybe you go like, well, you know what? I'm hurt, but I'm grateful that they're getting grace. You know, like someone's got to give them grace, and it's not going to be me because I just don't have it in my bandwidth. You know, I don't have the, this person does my head in. And you actually seeing this person being forgiven, it kind of does my head in. But I know that this is how it best works. I know that this is how we learn from our mistakes and we grow as a community. And maybe there'll be a time where I can deal with this. So I've always been grateful for people who've shown grace and mercy to the folks that I can't. Um, 
and why there's different parts of the body. Why is there different parts of the community? Because honestly, it could drive us insane if, if, if we, it was all fell on our shoulders, you know? Um, you know, there's some people that you're just like, hey, this is not the community for you, you know? Like, um, but there's great communities out there and helping them find that community and realizing that, like there's a certain needs we can't meet, you know? And unfortunately, often people leave angry and my always is like, don't leave angry. Just leave going like, hey, this isn't this isn't the right community, and that's okay. That's cool. You know, now you know. You know, I mean, but it's hard. It's like with relationships. You learn through maybe different breakups or divorce, and you know, and those aren't easy lessons to learn. They are hard. They and they're painful. They're really, really painful. Um, but hopefully, we do learn from that pain and from those things, and go, okay, well, in the future. I need to be a little less this, and maybe I need to look for someone who's a little bit more this, you know. It's very simplified, but hopefully that's how our brains work. But unfortunately, our unconscious sometimes likes us to repeat mistakes over and over again. Um, his father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years, I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours comes back who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. Now, I would say that this is a human reaction. This is a total, this, this, this reaction makes sense, to be honest with you. Like, have you seen, I've seen this happen before, you know, and when you're like, I've been in situations like this where you're like, dude, I've always, I'm the loyal one here. I've been loyal forever, you know? Like, what the hell's going on here? Um, and that's what makes grace so interesting, and that's where you have to kind of go like, oh, grace hurts when we're seeing it given to people we don't want it seen given to. Grace is unfair. This is the realities of grace. Um, but this is also how you build bigger communities, you know, through reconciliation. And reconciliation is tough work. And what I think, honestly, is that we don't want to put the work in there. Now, there's the other side of that. And I feel like it's something that I'm dealing with right now in my own life is I've done the work in a situation with my father. And that opportunity just isn't happening. And so in a way, I have to walk away and go, the ball is in his court. You know, there it is. And that's a tough thing for me to do, folks. It is, it is, it is really tough. And I'm going to get into that a little bit more here in a minute. But it is really tough for me to say, like, I'm just, I have to wipe the dust off, whatever you do, dust the feet, get my dust off my shoes, and, and, and move on and continue to do my work. But at the same time, it's very painful. And I think we often think, well, I'm going to just... You know, that per screw that person. Sorry, I'm dropping the F-bomb like crazy today. You can tell I'm tired because I usually don't like to do that because it just brings up too many side arguments. Um, but, you, you know, you usually like kind of like, screw them. I'm moving on. You know, people think that it's a heartless thing to do sometimes, but sometimes it's the, it's the most graceful thing you can do um, is, is not responding, or at least not responding out of pain and anger. And also being graceful to yourself and knowing, like, for me, I've had to learn this through seeing psycho, a psychoanalyst, is that I have to go, I had to see what I could get, 
if this could happen. And when it didn't happen, I have to continue to live my life because I'm a father. I have to be a good father to my kids. I have to be a good uh, pastor or leader, for lack of a better term, with you guys. A part of this community, I, I, as a leader of this community, I have to be. I have to do that, and so I have to realize that there's certain things that you have to say, you have to do, um, and decisions you have to make. My kids found my whistle, and they're blowing my whistle. Um, you killed the fatted calf for him. The father said to him, "Son, you are always with me." And all this is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has become to life. He was lost and has been found. Now, I would say that that right there, he was lost and has been found, is how we should celebrate when people come back and repent or whatever. Um, I'm always, I'm always weary when I hear, especially people who follow Christianity, I'm very weary when they say, and I, and I wonder what book, honestly, I'm like, what, what faith are you, how do you miss this part of the faith, is when people do come back and say, I've, I've screwed up, I've made a huge mistake, you know, I should have never done that, or I should have never written that, or I should have never said that, you know, we go, oh, it's too late, because the one thing that I found about Christianity is, is is why I think it's a really exceptional faith and religion, is that it's never too late. I honestly think that's why Hegel thought that Christianity was, was he picked that as a favorite, his favorite religion. And honestly, I've picked Christianity as my favorite religion because if I didn't, I would be doing something else. I'd be practicing another religion. Um, but, 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 but the goal has been uh, that it's never too late. Never, ever. But knowing how to to do that and how to 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 walk those walk through those walk through that maze in difficult times and how to show grace in those difficult times and um, and it's tough um, I know a lot of you folks who, who who don't talk to your folks and don't talk to your parents but what I want to do is that I want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can at the same time well, taking care of myself and respecting myself. And I think we've got to figure out how can we make sure that we do everything we can to show grace, to show love, to show mercy, but at the same time realize when it's not our job anymore. Um, when it's our job to maybe say we got to step back um, and focus on other folks other things, other situations. But man, it's tough. Um, Zoe and me always used to talk about like loving from afar because we realize like there's, there are people that just devastate you. And loving from afar until you can love close. And I've seen Zoe actually do that in their life. Um, which has been pretty, pretty amazing to go from loving from afar to going back into situations that I don't even really go into. <laughs> like, I'm not walking back in the church and being like, hey, I'm here, let's, hey, let's talk, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. 
but maybe, maybe I will. I would like to, if I get invited. I'm actually going to be speaking at a church in Minneapolis uh, June 5th, which I'm really excited about. Um, so I'll tell you more about that later. But one of the things I, I was writing in my notes, and I did a little tweet today, if you saw it, was uh, I was thinking about Star Wars, uh, Empire, uh, Return of the Jedi, and, and, uh, and Luke Skywalker, and Darth Vader, son and father, obviously. And I was thinking about that situation at the end where, you know, everybody, like Yoda, Ghost Yoda, or Yoda dies, but Yoda and, and Obi-Wan are both like, you got to kill him. You got to kill Darth Vader. Yeah, but he's my dad, you know? And then they start talking like, well, what if he isn't willing to do it? And they're like, well, if you don't do it, then you've lost, you know, you, 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 you're done. Um, you know, and then they say, oh, there is another. And that's when we find out Leia's Luke's sister. Uh, spoiler alert, 30 years later. Um, but they're like, you've got to do this. And when Luke is in that moment, but he goes, I still feel good in him. You know, and everybody's like, ah, oh, that's a little sad. You know, like, Jedis are pretty stringent. Like, if you watch even the prequels, which now everybody appreciates because the sequels were so bad, if you watch the prequels, um, uh, you see that, that part of what's driving Darth Vader is that he wants to have a family. He wants to love people, Anakin Skywalker. He wants to be with these, you know, he, he wants kind of a normal life, and everybody's like, you're special, you're special, you're special, you know? And if you've got to live the Jedi way, you know, and it's almost like he's kind of pushed by both sides to go to, into the direction that he, he does, you know, because it's not like the Jedi are perfect, you know. And we, I think we could come to see the Jedi as the church at this point, you know. And everybody would be like, you're the next Billy Graham. But instead he becomes Darth Vader and kills younglings, which, ah! Um, but, but, yeah, so... you. you you see that it's not all black and white. And now they're all like, oh no, now you gotta kill your dad. Like the Jedi is just like cut and dry, black and white. Like this is it. There's no other choice. You know, either you kill him or you become him. And uh, what does Luke do? Is he, he does pretty much what I think I would have to do if I really wanted to talk to my dad is he sneaks into the Death Star. <laughs> he gets arrested, he gets arrested. They two end up being in the same room. And they are fighting because he refuses to join the dark side. And, um, but Luke tries to, tries to uh, reason with his father. I mean, you've probably seen this movie. I've seen it like 500 times. So, um, and this is the best part of Return of the Jedi, really. Um, and it happens. In his moment of need, he cries out. Father, you know, and, 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 and the emperor's like shooting him with like force lightning and he's like, Father, save me. And it clicks. And that moment of, 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 of hell and that moment of desperation, the son cries out and the father says, picks up the emperor and throws him off of a, into a, a mine shaft or some sort of Death Star shaft. And um, kills him and saves him. 
and then Luke tries to save the father. He's, you know, he's carrying this huge man, this huge machine, man, machine down. I've got to save you. I've got to save you. You know, you've got to come with me. And you see all the stormtroopers, everybody's, it's chaos. And then you see Luke just dragging their old boss. They're probably all like, thank God that guy got it because he force choked everybody. So he's like dragging him down, dragging him down. And, you know, the father goes, take my mask off. And he goes, if you take the mask off, you'll die. And he goes, it doesn't matter. I'm going to die anyway. I'm already dead. But um, you've already saved me. And it's kind of a, a beautiful moment in redemption. It's a totally beautiful moment of grace because, I mean, you could really, like, if you, if, if you, if you held Star Wars in any reality, like, this, you know, Darth Vader was a very Hitlerish type person, like the person that no one would want to forgive in the galaxy. Yet the son had this moment of grace and compassion. And it was that last, that was a dead beth, dead, deathbed confession, you know. Um, but you've saved me. I, I, there, I am alive. You know, there, there is, Anakin is here, you know. And he sees his humanity and recognizes it. And it's because he goes, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to be a Sith. I'm not going to be a Jedi. I'm not going to, I'm going to take the third way. And what it does is, unfortunately, I think the, the sequels to that movie really kind of screw up Luke a little bit. But maybe Luke just got jaded from showing too much grace because he's human. But I don't like this, the sequels that much about it because I feel like as like Luke said, I'm taking the third way. I'm taking the way that the road less traveled. I'm not going to subscribe to either religion. I'm not going to be right or left. Uh, I'm not going to be binary. You know, I'm, I'm going to take this decision to just the moment. of. I'm going to take the road less traveled. And um, to me, that's really beautiful because the effect is not the effect. Like Darth Vader was going to probably die. The point was is that he dies. And he dies either way in this scenario. And it's not the change that it has so much on Vader because Vader doesn't come back and make himself better and destroy all the bad guys. Vader dies. But it's what it does to Luke. It's the effect that it has on Luke and that Luke's being able to be beyond the Force. You know, it doesn't matter if he can move things with his mind at this point. It doesn't matter if he can wield the lightsaber, you know. Uh, none of that matters. What matters is, is that he saw the good in something that no one else could see the good in, and he chose to follow that path. And that's who he is. He's above Jedi. He's above Sith. Um, and that's a beautiful story. Because I think sometimes some of us are in the point of our lives where we're, we're stuck between our faith and maybe it's a, a left, a, a more progressive faith or more conservative faith or whatever, but there's the choice that we have to make and sometimes we have to do something that's above that. It's the God that we find when the God of our understanding disappears. You know, uh, the God above God, the God that appears when the God of our understanding dies. Tillich talks about this. And I think that's what you see in, in Star Wars. Um, I... I I think that's what you're, you, you kind of see in, in what, what Jesus is talking about in this story as well, you know. Um, but for me, I, in this, what I wrote in my notes, this is, this is the hard part is um, <laughs> they're singing. Um, so I leave and I'm hurt and obviously I go, all right, this is the road that I have to go on. And, and I feel bad because it's not even the Luke Skywalker road that I'm going on or whatever. Um, because I leave and I go, I want to give up. 
and I'm walking away. And that's a tough thing to do. It's a tough thing to walk away and say, I have to move forward in my life. It's very, very tough. And it's a situation, it's a choice I didn't want to make, but it was a choice I did make. I could have gone to the lunch and I said, Pete, you stay here. This is about, you know, I got to do whatever I got to do to make this happen. But instead I followed my heart. I followed my instinct of who I am and how I live life. And that's, that's a hard decision to make. It's a painful decision to make. And I wrote down here, I want to give up, and I, and I walked away. And even in all of this, it's so funny. I was watching the Instagram today, and it might have been today or it was yesterday, and there's this like uh, gay Christian uh, Instagram account. And this guy was talking about my dad and about, like, oh, Jim Baker, I've held my tongue, but Jim Baker's gone too far and shouldn't have said this and shouldn't have done this and shouldn't have said, you know, and he's a bad man. And it was funny because my initial instinct was to go in and say, well, one, why do you watch the shit? And do you watch the shit so you can talk shit? And what about, what, you know, let's talk about my mom, you know, and, and what about my work? And what about this? And, and, and why do we have to, like, always look at, you know, this, you know, like, do you think my father's really still influencing humans that much? Um, but anyway, or part of me also wanted to be like, yeah, you're right, blah, 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 you know. But I just didn't do it. I just, I had to unfollow. I was like, you know what? This is just, I've got to move forward in my life. But I still had that instinct to say, I still feel that good. I still feel something's there, you know? Um, because I knew my father through prison and there was a big connection there. And I knew his work in the 80s. And there was something that I saw that was different than what most people saw and what most people judged him for. I think the guy even said ex-con. And that drives me crazy. It's like, are we always going to, you know, when people do their time, do we still hold that against them as Christians? Is that what we're called to do? Like there's so many contradictions happening within my own mind and my own heart at that moment. And uh, once again, I had to go, boom, I'm just going to have to move forward. And that's a tough place to be. And I'm going to be figuring that out over the next few months and weeks as I work on this documentary, as I continue to work on my theology and, and grow within this because having theology and knowing the scripture and having philosophy is great when it's in your mind, but it's like, how does this operate within real life? And always wanting to make sure that this operates within real life, if that's something that I'm going to bring here to you guys. So this is always a process. And so what I want to let you know today is that if there's been a time in this, you followed revolution and thought, oh, he's asking too much. You know, he keeps asking us to do all this stuff. You know, hey, I, I'm flesh and blood as well. I've had, mo there's moments where I, 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 I just, I can't, and I want to, I really do, but it's not even an opportunity available to me. And so I want to apologize too if there's some of you out there who just have been in the same place and maybe I pushed you a little too hard. That was never my intention. Um, but we all are growing and learning together through this. And um, yeah, it's tough. And I, I see, I wish I had new glasses yet because I see a lot of you guys writing stuff about about different things and um, I'm sure you're all going through different experiences and I'm sure a lot of you're like yeah screw him you know you know the I understand all those reactions um, I just don't have black and white feelings my emotions just don't work that way and I probably got that from my mother and through trying to understand Hegel and trying to embrace contradiction and I'll always hold that you know and um, like I said before, like it's maybe not my job to speak out. Maybe it's the the gay Christian Instagram post. Maybe that's that. It's their job to speak out right now, because this is too close to me. 
So I, I can't really speak out about it. So like I needed them to do their job, but at the same time, I probably don't need to listen to them do their job because it affects me in a different way than it's gonna affect anybody else who's hearing it, you know? So I have to draw boundaries in my own life to continue to grow and move forward to maybe so one day I can lift those boundaries or put those boundaries in concrete to go forward. But right now, I'm in that process of learning and going through something that I've never gone through before. So, you know, um, it, things change when you've lost your mom and when you have kids and when it's family. Yeah, grace even gets stranger then. That's when you really feel the anarchy coming through and you're going, I hope somebody else can show the grace. I hope somebody else can take the grace. I hope someone can put the grace on their, their, their shoulders and, and, and carry that forward. Um, Bob, I see you keep asking that question. It's Lawrence Richardson's church uh, where I'm talking. Uh, I don't remember the name of his church, but it's Lawrence's church. Um, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing my best to move forward, folks. And I'm sharing this with you because that's all I got. And uh, I want it to work. Um, so maybe it's the prodigal father at this point. Because I'm going to, you know, if I see him coming down the road, I'm willing to embrace and have the tough conversations. I wish I had his ear because, honestly, if I did, I'd be talking even about some of these things that those folks were complaining about, but I'd be talking it in a personal way going like, this is why I don't think this is productive, and this is why I think it's hurtful, and because I could have that ear, you know, because he's not watching Instagram posts or Facebook posts or what anybody else says. And that's the other thing is like why I've never denounced him or anybody, other people, is because I always hope that I'm able to sit down and have those difficult conversations. Um, but now that's not my job. My job is this. My job is to be a dad. My job is to be here and to be a good speaker, theologian, and to make a really great uh, documentary that will be based about my mother, mostly focused on my mother, but my family and what that was like to grow up and what they are like and uh, what it was like to go through uh, a situation where everyone cancels you. And then, you know, mom dies and then movies come out and then people celebrate her years later. So we're all living in a really, really tough, tough time in a tough world. And I hope we can all learn to kind of embrace these contradictions a little bit more and be there for each other. You know? Um, that's one of the things I appreciated is like, Zoe was there for me through this. I, I'm thinking about you. I love you, buddy. I know this is tough, you know? And, and Steve, uh, Steve Peters was like, hey, buddy, I love you. If you need me, I'm here. If you don't, whatever, but just know you're loved. I know this isn't easy. Um, Randy from Open Door Community Church on the phone. Uh, my friend Connie Waters texting me, you know. Connie has a sixth sense. She knows when anything's wrong, and all of a sudden I get these weird texts. You know, and Pete went with me. So I'm grateful to be have people in this community who I know love me and care about me and outside of this community as well. Um, so I guess that would be my encouragement is to be those people, you know. The, the, the older brother needs a friend to listen as well. The older brother is going like, I, this makes no sense to me. You know, he needs more than just the father begging him to come in. Um, 
he needs friends going like, let's talk about this um, and why this hurts. So see, even that is taken further with, with, with grace. Even that is, is taken to another level. That's when I say we go beyond even the, what the verses of the scriptures say. Like, oh, there isn't a script for this. What is the script? I usually find out is when there's no script is grace. And sometimes if, 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 if someone's saying, well, there's no, the scriptural answer isn't grace, I go, well, then grace is the answer. That grace is always the trump card to that. Um, and, uh, but it's just who's going to use that card and who's able to use that card. Um, because sometimes we need to know what our calling is and who can be there. And I really do hope that someone will be able to reach out to people who I can't reach out to and show love and show grace and mercy and hope and have tough conversations. Um, but I'm pretty broken right now. So that's, uh, I'm always dealing with that. I'm always dealing with being broken and, and healing and, and being broken again. That's just life. And grace is messy. And... Uh, I'm, I'm the king of messy. I wear a pin. I literally ordered like five of them. This is I'm a mess. It was, it was Sid Vicious used to wear this shirt that said I'm a mess. I kind of mean it in a different way, but I'm still, I'm a mess, but I embrace. There's something about that that I embrace as well because in order to have this ability to do these type of things and to show grace, some areas of my life are always going to be messy because that's what grace, grace brings a mess with it. You know, it always, you know, you're always going to have a mess. You're always going to have conflict, you know. You deal with one conflict here, and then you need to show grace over here because somebody's angry that you showed grace, you know. It's like, this is the, this is why the father's going to come in because, like, I showed grace here. He's like, well, now my son's upset. Now I've got to give him grace, and I've got to give him love. You know, it's like, it's like whack-a-mole, you know. Grace is always <laughs> leading to another situation that's going to require even more grace and um, but also require us as humans to know who we are and what we're called to do. And, and, and that's why I hope that other people are doing their part. That's why I always like give hard times to some of my, like to, to some of my more, um, um, why, I, you know, some of my friends are like, oh, I'm red letter Christian. I don't like to read the, 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 the Paul. You know, I'm always like, well, these letters aren't Paul, but you need to read these letters that are Paul because there's so much grace there and that grace is such an amazing thing. You need to understand this, you know? And, uh, and why I go to my more conservatives are like, oh, no, I can't question the pastoral puzzles. Like, well, you really should because it kind of screws up grace, you know? We got to do more grace. We got to show more grace because we need everybody together doing this, you know? It's not Batman. I'm not Batman. I thought I was for a long time, but I'm taking the damn mask off, you know, because I want to be in a community. I don't want to be the Lone Ranger anymore. Um, and that's why we need each other. Right? That's why this is a community. This is why it's a gathering. Um, two or more gather. That's why we gather together is because we need each other. Because grace is not a one-man job or a one-woman job. Thanks, everybody. Listen, if you like what you're getting out of this, if you can go to revolutionchurch.com and help us out through a donation, that would be great. It uh, keeps this community alive, keeps us going, allows me to do this. And, um, and I, I'm trying to get this leadership group together, but we all have such crazy uh, schedules that we haven't got a meeting together. But I, I've got some ideas of things that I think we're going to do in the future that's going to be really cool. 
and uh, we'll be, bring more of a presence to this and uh, do some things at YouTube and do some classes and do some things like that. And that's, those are some ideas that I'm excited about. And I do want to thank you because this past month, you guys have really given a lot, helped support us, and thank you for that because it's made a huge difference. You know, I had this emergency bill come up and I hadn't had a full paycheck in, 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 in a couple years and I had full paycheck this month and I was able to make that extra cost for that, like, for that not having insurance. So... I'm grateful for that. Thank you, everyone. We love you. Talk to each other. Talk about this. If this talk encourages you, please share it. Tell your friends about it. should be up on YouTube on Wednesday and uh, everywhere else on Wednesday is all the, the podcasts on Wednesday. Share it. Tell people about it. Go on social media. Tell people about what we're doing so more of us can work together so we can have a bigger community so we can get this work done and we can teach people how to show grace, how to show love, and how to argue and argue well and practice restoration and practice love and uh, you know maybe help each other out a little bit thank you We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.